Welcome to BDO Talks ERISA, a monthly podcast from BDO's ERISA Center of Excellence. Each month, we will be talking best practices around all things ERISA, how to avoid common compliance issues, how to navigate the tricky ins and outs of ERISA's fiduciary provisions, and discussing our own experiences working for BDO's ERISA Services Group and the insights we share through the ERISA Center of Excellence. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. Welcome to another podcast of BDO Talks ERISA. We are absolutely excited to have you joining us today. I'm Beth Garner, the National Practice Leader for BDO's EBP Audit Group, and I'm one of your co-hosts for this episode. Sharing co-host duties with me today is Joanne Zupka. Joanne, how about you introduce yourself? Thanks, Beth. As she said, I'm Joanne Zupka. I'm a regional practice leader in our Atlantic region based in Philadelphia. Happy to be with you. So glad to have you back. So today, um, you know, we're going to talk about the SECURE Act and one of the new rules around long-term part-time employees. And I have to say that really slow. Before I get started, though, we're going to introduce our resident expert. Now, I do want to inform you guys what SECURE Act actually stands for. It is setting every community up for retirement. Oh, how we absolutely love that subject, and that is our hope for all employees. But here with us today to discuss all this information is Norma Sharara. She is a manager director in our national tax office. Norma has over 25 years of experience in the compensation and benefits area. She has an emphasis um, on retirement plans, executive compensation, and mergers and acquisitions. Norma, welcome to the podcast. Uh, If I missed anything on the introduction, feel free to add anything, but one thing that we require from everybody that joins us is you have to tell us something personal about yourself. It cannot be business related. (laughs) Okay. Well, thanks, Beth. I appreciate the formal introduction of my background. Um, Most of the times I do sound like a lawyer because I am one, but my personal, uh, I will share that my quarantine buddy is my cocker spaniel poodle, a cockapoo named Bailey. And Bailey is the color of Bailey's Irish cream. So that's how she got her name. Now, my, uh, I tell people I have a four-legged daughter. That's Bailey. I also have a two-legged daughter. And my two-legged daughter has a dog named Brandy, a black lab. So we both named our dogs after alcohol, Brandy and Bailey. Hmm. I'm wondering what, what, what's that saying. I actually got a wine glass for Christmas that said, uh, you're not drinking alone if the dog is home. I like that. I need to get one of those. <laughs> so or, that goes along with your dog. Exactly. Or, it's five o'clock somewhere. Yep. Yep. That works too. So how about we get this started? So give us some background, some thoughts on the SECURE Act, you know, basically the why. Sure. Well, you know, retirement policy, surprisingly, for my whole career, you know, almost 30 years now, is a very bipartisan issue. And even in this climate where people can't get along politically, uh, retirement reforms and retirement strengthening uh, has always been uh, something both the Democrats and Republicans are interested in. So SECURE was a bipartisan bill 
that became law uh, at the end of December 2019, and it hitched a ride on a must-pass year-end legislation bill to keep the government open. And that's what often happens with these retirement provisions. They get clicked on to some other must-pass legislation. Now, the SECURE Act was really a big deal in December 2019, before we were all knocked sideways about the coronavirus, the SECURE Act had 35 changes in the law, and it was the biggest change in the law since the Pension Protection Act in 2006. And so in late December 2019, everybody was thinking, wow, 2020 is going to be super busy. Um, uh, taking into account all these SECURE Act changes in the law. Of course, that was overtaken by other events, but the SECURE Act still exists, and there are some things that we need to do to get ready and, and to comply. Well, thanks, Norma. We appreciate the overview of the SECURE Act, and I can tell you definitely during um, the 2019 audits that were completed or occurred in 2020, we had planned sponsors inquire about the various provisions of the act. And one provision specifically is on the minds of plan sponsors today is the long-term part-time employees or LTPT. Now, whenever I say or hear LTPT, I hear in my mind, PYT, pretty young thing. So now that I've gotten the singing portion done of the, the course, I'm gonna get back to the long-term part-time rule. So um, currently under the current law, um, Tax qualified plans must allow employees to join the plan if they're age 21 and have completed at least 1,000 hours of service during a 12 month period. And so you're going to measure that from the date of hire, um, and then most plans will flip that to the plan year, uh, the next one. So what we're seeing is a lot of part time employees uh, may never obtain the 1,000 hours of service and could never join the plan, um, even if they work for the employer for many years. Um, what's great about the new LTPT employee rule is that it's mandatory, meaning it's not optional for plan sponsors. Um, but of course, there are some exceptions, right? It doesn't apply to union employees or to employees who are excluded because they're in an ineligible class. So I always work best with an example when, when I start hearing all of this stuff. So if an employee is in division, if em all employees in division A are excluded, then the long-term part-time employees in Division A would also be excluded. Um, of course, we'd always like the IRS to kind of weigh in and, and, and give us some formal guidance on that. Um, but let's get back to the new rule. Um, 401k plans must allow long-term part-time employees or LTPTs to join the plan if they have, one, obtained the age of 21, and two, if they've worked at least 500 hours of service in three consecutive 12-month periods. This means hours before obtaining age 18 would not count. So we kind of know what the rule is about. Now, when does the plan sponsor's obligation kick in? Um, well, that's going to start after December 31st, 2020, or 1 1 2021. <laughs> like right now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so they've got to start to count what it would, um, what the hours would be. Um, there is. An IRS notice out there, which is notice 2020-68, um, that does cover some of the vesting provisions um, with regards to hours worked. Um, and then usually what we've seen with a lot of the acts that have been passed in the couple of years, past couple of years, right, is that there's provisions, but it doesn't necessarily require a formal amendment to later down the road. And so the deadline for amending a 401k plan to reflect the rules of the SECURED Act um, are for the first plan year beginning after January 1st, 2022. 
So if you're a calendar year in plan, that would mean um, by December 31st of 2022. So I've given a little bit of kind of the definition now, Norma, maybe you can kind of tell us um, where the rule came from in relation to the act. Yeah, so thanks, Joanne. That was a great summary. Um, for decades, many research studies have come out, academic studies, nonpartisan, showing that the most effective way for employees to save, um, especially lower income employees, is through payroll deduction contributions to a workplace retirement plan. The thought is, look, if, if you set it and forget it, if you don't actually see it in your paycheck because you've made a deferral election through a payroll deduction system, then you just kind of get used to your take home pay after tax being what it is and, and that you can make a living based on that amount. So all of these studies for many, many years have said access to workplace retirement savings is by far the best way to help people save for retirement. So one of the overarching themes of the SECURE Act was to improve access to these workplace retirement plans. I absolutely think that it's it's necessary um, to make people safe. And, and we need to, uh, you know, as a government, and I hate to say it, but help people save. And, and this is definitely a, an avenue. So Tell plan sponsors that are listening, which plans are impacted by this rule? Sure, Beth. Um, this is only going to affect 401k plans. Uh, if, if you're old enough, uh, you might remember that the government used to talk about the three-legged stool for retirement, uh, that you would have Social Security as one leg, you would have the employer uh, traditional defined benefit pension plan as the other leg, and then your own personal savings was the third leg. Well, we have seen a great decline in defined benefit plans and a great increase in 401k plans so that saving for your own retirement, you know, the third leg of that stool is now done a lot of times through 401k plans. Um, this new rule does not apply to 403b. Now, we get a lot of clients every time we say 401k, they say, what about 403b? So 403b plans have a special rule just for 403b plans called the universal availability rule, which essentially says, look, if anybody can make salary deferrals, then essentially everybody has to be allowed to make salary deferrals. There are a couple of exceptions. So 403b plans can continue to exclude people who are scheduled to work fewer than 20 hours per week. Um, the SECURE Act rule for long-term part-time employees does not affect 457B plans or defined benefit plans or other tax qualified plans that don't allow employees to contribute. The focus here is on letting the long-term part-time employees save their own money. You know, we've seen a lot of increases in the number of part-time employees, whether as a result of the Affordable Care Act, about 30 hours a week uh, triggering benefits, uh, the gig economy, We've seen a lot of trends where people have two and three jobs that they stitch together to be able to afford uh, to live. And so this access to workplace retirement plans for long-term part-time employees is part of the general policy of helping people save through access to workplace retirement plans. So great to hear about the access. Um, and we're talking about employee contributions. Are there any other rules around contributions? I think 
when you hear contributions, a lot of times they go hand in hand. Oh, an employee, and then, oh, automatically there's a match. Yeah, that's a great point. In fact, that's one of the first thing um, we heard when the SECURE Act was enacted and this provision was was um, announced. A lot of employers were ringing our phones and, and filling up our email saying, does that mean I have to give them a match? And the answer is no. Uh, the government was very aware that they did not want to throw employers an additional burden of having to contribute. So employers are not required to make any contributions for these special category long-term part-time employees who join under this special SECURE Act provision. Even employers who have safe harbor plans, you know, safe harbor plans require a match or an employer non-elective contribution, but you do not have to make those for these LTPT employees uh, because those folks are specifically excluded from the normal non-discrimination testing and top-heavy rules. That's good to know. I'm sure a lot of people will be happy to hear that once again. Yes. So along those lines, we've we've outlined a lot of rules and you're going to have to track this and track that. And Joanne gave an example. You know, what what should professionals do right now for tracking these people and investing and, and all those things? Well, what I've been on a soapbox saying to everybody, look, you know, here we are in 2021 and I realize that this new obligation does not take effect until January 1st, 2024. And a lot of people said, geez, I can't even see 2024 from here. Why are you bothering me about this? It's only 2021. Come on. You know, we've got a lot of other things going on. And I said, well, look. Well, Norma, I'm going to tell you this. Uh -huh. I'm looking 2025, my babies will be uh, graduating from high school and I'm going to have an empty house. But, oh, wow. Sorry to interrupt, but, you know, when you said 2024, I'm like, hmm. Well, I, I recommend a dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's got quite a few. <laughs> well, um, the thing is, if you do nothing and you just wait until the legal obligation kicks in to let these folks into your plan, how are you going to know what their hours were? And remember, as Joanne told us, you have to track, did they have 500 hours of service over a consecutive, uh, three consecutive 12-month periods? And the kickoff for those 12-month periods starts January 1st, 2021. So you can do nothing and wait and then have to go back and recreate all of your records. But it certainly seems like an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, because if you start now properly tracking the hours worked by your part time employees, um, and that's every hour for which they're paid or entitled to payment. So even PTO, if your part timers get PTO, it's hours that they are paid or entitled to payment. Now, you might wanna be re reprogramming your plan administrative systems and procedures and coordinating with the plan record keeper and their systems so that they can successfully track this service, you know, with respect to periods starting January 1st, 2021. Um, you would reprogram it instead of just a thousand hours, you would have a separate calculation. If you're still gonna use a thousand hours for everybody else, that's fine. You don't have to change it. But if you reprogram your system to have uh, 500 hours as an indicator in a 12-month period and then track that for three consecutive 12-month periods, you'll be really glad you did 
because that's what is required. Now, there is a bill um, pending in Congress that would say instead of a three consecutive 12-month period, it's going to be a two consecutive 12-month period, again, aimed at increasing access. So that has not been enacted yet. The SECURE Act calls for three consecutive 12-month period. Also, um, you have to track all hours, both before and after January 1st, 2021, for vesting, because the SECURE Act says, look, you know, it's one thing to let them into the plan, but then all of their service has to count for vesting. And if you say, no, wait a minute, you only need vesting if there's an employer contribution. Well, you're right. You don't have to give these folks any employer money. But if you do give them employer money, then the vesting schedule has to count all service, including uh, the pre-2021 service. Now, um, keep in mind that if your part-time person ever actually does work 1,000 hours, they would get treated as a regular employee and a regular participant under the regular rules. And they're no longer a special status uh, long-term part-time employee. They're just a regular old participant. So one of the things we've been talking about, you know, BDO's national tax office, we get a lot of calls and emails. And, and so people are like, okay, I get it, but I still don't like it. Isn't there something I could do to kind of just make my life easier? Well, yeah, the easy way out, um, which is one of my adult daughter's favorite expressions, the easy way out is to um, simply amend your 401k plan to provide for immediate eligibility solely with respect to elective deferrals. Don't make people wait. As soon as you hire them, full-time, part-time, doesn't matter. Everybody can make elective salary deferrals. Now, if you are a safe harbor plan, that might cost you some money, um, but you don't have to track people if you do it that way. So if all employees are immediately eligible, then the SECURE Act special vesting rules may never come into play, and the um, existing rules for eligibility and vesting would continue to apply. So if you just don't want to deal with this, there is an easy way out, but it might cost you some money. I think everyone likes to hear about options, so, you know, have yes. to have to weigh it out and see what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Is there anything else um, coming down the pike that you think we should know about? Well, yes, as I mentioned, we, we need to keep an eye on pending federal legislation that may further expand access to workplace retirement, um, especially for the next two years at least till the 2022 midterm elections. Uh, Democrats have control of both the House and the Senate and the White House. Um, in fact, uh, the White House just announced, uh, actually, no, it was the Ways and Means Committee, announced that they are looking at uh, some things that might require people to have a 401k plan. The chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, he likes to be called Richie, Richie Neal, um, like he's your buddy, right? Richie Neal has already reintroduced what was a very controversial proposal a couple of years ago that says every employer has to have a workplace uh, payroll deduction plan. Uh, it could be a 401k plan, it could be an automatic IRA, uh, it doesn't have to have any employer money, but this concept of, of giving access through the workplace paycheck system 
is, is really gathering speed. Already there are a number of states, Oregon and California and Illinois and Connecticut have already set up mandatory. These are mandatory programs. If you're an employer in those states and you do not have a 401k plan, you have to go through uh, and participate with the state-run paycheck deduction automatic IRA. So the employer's role is minimal, but it is a mandate at the state level. And so the federal government is saying, well, gee, if every state is going to have their own mandatory paycheck deduction IRA, wouldn't it be better to have one federal program than to have, you know, different programs in each of the states? So um, back in the Obama administration, they called these the states that couldn't wait for the federal solution. So the states that couldn't wait are out there already trying to help people save through workplace retirement savings plans. Well, thank you for that um, wonderful information. And you're right, I'm, I'm definitely seeing the buzz in the retirement plan world where these articles coming through talking about these pending rules. And so, you know, we're going to stay on top of that and, and talk about it on future um, podcasts. Norma, thank you so much for being with us today and discussing the SECURE Act and the LTPT impact. You know, everyone, uh, you know, if you have this instance, please, you have an avenue to reach out to us. And we have an email set up, bdotalksarissa at bdo.com. Feel free to email us uh, questions and we will get back with you. And additionally, if there's any other subjects that you would like for us to cover, we'd be more than happy to um, cover those. So send us some ideas and thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to BDO Talks Arissa. Past episodes are available at bdo.com slash BDO Talks Arissa, or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also send us feedback, questions, or ideas you have for future topics at bdotalksarissa at bdo.com. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on BDO's ERISA Center of Excellence and the services we provide, visit bdo.com slash ERISA.